It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hola and welcome to episode 34 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. Although whether you can see me, Sean, over the webcam this week, I don't know because it's so foggy here in Bournemouth at the moment. It's it's like an episode of Top of the Pops. Fog? Top of the... Ah, oh, you mean like smokes, the smoke machine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do look a little bit like Glenn Hoddle. Anyway, pop pickers, here's what's coming up this week. Michael brings us his review of Bournemouth's two-all draw at home to the Hornets on Saturday before we take in the fans and media reaction to events at the Vitality. Sam and I will then go on and have our say on the match before I bring you a special back-of-the-net transfer news where I check out Cherry's latest targets and throw in the odd rumour. Oh, looking forward to that, Sean, because I've been somewhat out of the loop this week but after that we'll be checking in with Ethan Burney the young Cherry superfan who's got a rare syndrome whereby he's losing his eyesight now amongst other things his family are raising money for him to visit Disneyland but this week he managed to fulfill another one of his dreams we'll then preview Bournemouth's next match that is against struggling Crystal Palace at home so Boscombe at home playing a team that is struggling Ah, oh, easy win, right, Sam? <laughs> hmm, not sure about that. Plus, we'll be giving you the answer to this week's Do You Remember? That's right, it's back. And what better way to start the show than with some two-minute trivia, right? So this week, there's a difference. You'll hear three voices from Cherry's players from yesteryear, and we want to see if you can guess who they are. Now, we've gone relatively easy, well, we think so, this week. But, Sean... Hit the music, please. Do you remember? Do you remember? I mean, I'll probably remember most for missing a chance that I regret in later life would have been the penalty in the World Cup. Um, playing Spain in the last 16, we'd probably outplayed them over the, the course of the 90 minutes and extra time and, and probably deserved to go through didn't quite happen for us um, because in penalties you know we lost on penalties 3-2 um, I think um, I, I obviously enjoyed me, me spell at Welling it was absolutely fantastic before that I was at assistant at uh, Graves which is absolutely now 
Um, had six great years at Stoke, learned a lot obviously, um, and um, met some fantastic people. Um, but no, this is a, an opportunity I couldn't turn down. Um. I'm in a nice position. I don't have to work from nine to five in the morning. Uh, and they get up and they've got to go through a full day. They get paid very little money. I don't. Uh, I enjoy my life. I enjoy nice things. Uh, you know, all the boring things like fast cars and women and gambling and booze and all the stuff that, uh, that's really boring. Uh, I just enjoy myself and it just seems to me they're sort of pretty jealous. So there we go. Do you remember with a twist this week and three former Cherries players? Sean, that was the first time you've heard it. Mm. Did you get any of them? I have got the first and the third. The middle one is causing Mm. me some discomfort. So I'm going to mull that over and we'll bring the answer to me and you, the listener, at the end of the show. But for now, let's go over to Michael Dunn as he digests the draw at Dean Court in this week's Match Report. Our capricious cherry shared four goals with old friends Watford on Saturday in a game where we blew hot and cold against no more than average opposition who nonetheless deserved to leave with a point as the fixture yet again ended in a draw. Eddie swung the axe in unexpected fashion, dropping Harry out to the bench for the first time this season in favour of Josh King in an attacking role. King was joined up front by Callum Wilson who came in for Benicofobe with the two strikers apparently neck and neck in the manager's pecking order. Our heroes in red and black had the better of the opening exchanges, although the standard high-energy approach from the kickoff was notably absent. The often frustrating sideways passing game was again in evidence as we probed for an opening. On 13 minutes, just such an opportunity arose, as Jack Wilshire proved his status as a visionary was not hyperbole when he saw the potential for 5'4 Ryan Fraser to head past 6'3 Watford goalkeeper Aurelio Gomez. The wee man almost did just that, his looping effort clawed away by the Brazilian at full stretch. After a penalty claim by Callum Wilson was serenaded by the away support, Wilshire took matters into his own hands, striking a searing left foot shot at Gomez, who parried the ball to safety. Despite this promising start, Bournemouth remained unconvincing, with a number of stray passes and weak challenges making for uncomfortable viewing. One such passage of sloppy play led to the Hornets opening the scorey on 24 minutes as we conceded a corner as a result of a short-lived contest amongst our defence to see who could give the ball away the most carelessly. Not satisfied with these unforced errors, we then allowed what, what amounted to three unopposed headers in our six-yard box, the last of which saw Christian Cambuselli nod past Art Boric from short range as our lads puzzled over the mystery adhesive which had glued their feet to the playing surface. As a whole last week, the concession of a goal saw the confidence drain out of the team and we were outplayed and bullied for the remainder of the first half, with Italian giant Stefano Lukaku proving a particular handful. We looked on the verge of collapse at any moment, with the absence of Arta being particularly highlighted by the lack of bite in midfield, as Captain Andrew Sermon appeared reluctant to put his body on the line when challenging for the ball. Fortunately, Watford were not able to take advantage of this lacklustre 20-minute spell, with only Tom Cleverley's narrow miss from long range threatening to extend the visitors' lead. Eddie may well have brandished the hairdryer at half-time, as the Cherries came out after the break with a good deal more purpose, and as a result, we were soon level. Adam Smith burst forward, nutmegged Abdulli Decore, and found the unmarked Josh King at Gomez back post. King duly fired Bournemouth level, stalling his celebrations for a split second to take a glance at the linesman who had not adjudged the Norwegian to be offside. Once the post-goal delirium had settled down, there was no little irritation in the stands as we immediately reverted to our cautious possession game, except we were not always able to retain possession effectively. In almost laughable fashion, Sermon gave the ball away to Jose Holabas, 20 yards out, and the Cherries defence parted to give the Greek a clear sight of goal, his searing effort turned around the post by Boritz. The game was now in the balance, and when Ryan Fraser cut in from the left to draw another excellent save from Gomez, 
the Dean Court faithful hoped the cherished stylish intentions would win out against the Hornets' brute force. Unfortunately, it was not to be as Watford retook the lead on 64 minutes. Yet again, our vulnerability at corners proved our downfall, despite Benicophobia revealing post-match that the team had been practising defending set-pieces all week in the run-up to the match. Cleverly's delivery at the near post was aimed at Troy Deeney and, with Arta Boritz pushing Deeney's marker Adam Smith in the back before deciding that the effort of doing so had stripped him of the energy required to lift his arms above his head and catch the ball, the Wofford captain gratefully flicked the ball over both of them into the net. Eddie replaced King with a Fobe and Stanislas with Pugh and with Jack Wilshire pulling the strings in midfield we pushed forward for another equaliser which, to much relief all round, came on 82 minutes. Shortly before the goal, referee Lee Mason did his best to lift the mood in the court by tumbling to the ground with no one anywhere near him. And so funny did Christian Cambaselli find this pratfall that he thought he would have a go himself. Due to his persistent giggling, the Wofford goalscorer had not seen the full picture, however, and failed to notice that just as he decided to go to ground, Andrew Sermon was playing a slide rule pass right by him to Benicophobe, who kept his composure to finish across Gomez, despite the former Spurs keeper getting a touch to the ball. We pushed forward to a winner, but Charlie Daniels' volley past Gomez was correctly disallowed for a blatant handball by Steve Cook, who received the yellow card for his trouble. All in all, it was a fair result, and although the gloom that has engulfed Dean Court since the turn of the year has not entirely lifted, our share of the swirl saw us go ten points clear of the relegation zone at the close of the weekend, so perhaps things are not so bad after all. So that was Michael with Saturday's match report covering Bournemouth's two-all draw with Watford and you can follow him on Twitter at All Departments. Now we've got some media thoughts and some fan thoughts this week and we've had some additions from Matt from AFCB TV. If you want to check out his videos by the way, go to afcbpodcast.com, click the video section and you can watch all his videos there and then follow through to his YouTube page. We've also got a comment from Watford fan Mike from the Rookery End podcast. And there's also some tidbits from Paul Merson from Sky Sports and John Williams from BBC Radio Solent. But as for a song choice this week, we're going to go with Joel from Farnham, who's come up with Randy Crawford. And once again, it was the same old story. It's finished another draw, and yeah, it's, I think that's like six draws and seven. I'm not sure. It's not something like that, but it always seems when we play against Watford now, it's a draw. Um, yes, Watford were really good. I gotta give them that. Um, but we look very poor on set pieces, despite having uh, six foot six Tyrone Mings, who did again, once again, lose his marker and concede goal. But it was a better performance from. Tyra Mings, got to give him that. But looking at the rest of the team performance, set pieces is one thing what we're really going to have to do. And I really do now think, let's go into the transfer market, see who's available. And maybe, even if Chelsea might not want to sell him, go for Nathan Ake, just on a permanent. It's two points. Two points dropped. We've played another team who are low on confidence. That's Middlesbrough Palace and Bournemouth we've played now who are on very, very poor runs of form and we failed to, to beat any of them, which is a concern. Um, but that said, an away, away day at Bournemouth is, uh, has its challenges, as, as we all know. So a, a draw there, you probably would have taken it before, before the kickoff. But as a, as, a, as a team performance, there were green shoots, green shoots of, uh, of recovery. So uh, it looked like we'd sort of woken up a little bit and had a bit more um, attacking intent throughout the game. Um, but the bottom line is we failed to beat a team who, like us, is in, in bad form. And there's probably as much to worry about as there is to, to be happy about, to be perfectly honest. Two corners, Jeff. Two corners. Bar the corners. Can't really remember too often uh, Watford opening Bournemouth up. So probably next week he'll be working on set plays because they were poor goals. But... It was an entertaining game. Both teams completely went for it. There was no doubt about that. Even when it was 2 or Watford didn't sit there and go, oh, we'll take a draw. Jack Wiltshire was different class. He, when, it, when teams sit back, he gets the ball and he drives and he commits players. 
He wasn't doing that too often when he wasn't fit. Now he's back to where he was at Arsenal when he was in his day and he was going past people. He was gliding past people today for fun for, for me. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And... Not the result I wanted before the game, but at the end of the game, I was quite happy to get it. You know, we had to chase on two occasions uh, and the lads did that. They showed great spirit. Um, which we expect from him anyway but you know Eddie said there'd been a, a lack of a spark uh, in the last outing towards the end of the game well it was, certainly wasn't there here today you know the lads went after it and tried it desperately to win the game the big disappointment of course will be the, the, the conceding of the two goals both from both from set plays you know that that is something that infuriates coaches and, and managers alike and uh I'm sure that that'll be the same today. Now you're going, then you're gone. Same old story, same old song. Yeah, same old story, same old song. Goes all right till it goes So really interesting there to hear the views of the media, including Paul Merson and John Williams. And thank you, of course, to the fan thoughts. And it's interesting checking out the BBC website, Sean, because it sort of puts its paragraphs and puts a heading above each one. So we've got Nervy Bournemouth. We've got Cherries Crumble in defence once more. And we've got Attack is the best form of defence. What was your view of the game? And were you satisfied with the point? Uh, yeah, when it kind of ended, you thought, oh, yeah, points kind of fair. It's interesting. Eddie was very much felt we should have won the game. And I know if you look at, you know, Gomez made some great saves, as he seems to always do when we play him. But it, for all our dominance, it, it never, even when the first half when we were kind of having those chances, it never felt like we were totally... um you know, on top and really finding different ways to break them open. I guess that's where I struggle at the moment. And this is what Michael was talking about with the the pace of our passing and kind of very one dimensional in our approach. I just still don't think we've got enough to break teams down in that final third effectively, you know, and then when we do good saves or we're not taking our chances, that seems to be the, the, matter and then of course at the other end we're still conceding goals mm, it seems to be that the team are very tired at the moment and I, I don't know if you are the same thing but I, I'm almost tired watching them sometimes there just doesn't seem to be that spark on the pitch it sometimes feels very laboured um, of course the main concern for Bournemouth uh, recently has been the amount of goals that we've conceded and thankfully it wasn't three this time but there were two goals conceded and they were both from set pieces and truly avoidable, Sean. They were. I mean, I guess in one respect, OK, we didn't get broken down in open play that much. So in that respect, our defence, you could say, did all right. Um, but yeah, and I guess what was even more frustrating was, um, I know uh, Bennett commented on it, um, Jack Wilshire commented on it, and Eddie commented on it after the game. They're all saying it's so frustrating because we worked on it all week in training. Like what? What? What did we work on all week in in training? Because for the first goal, the three headers. I mean, mm. when you when you're practicing against set pieces, surely the aim is is not to get let the attackers get their head onto the ball before you do. So to have three times where we get beaten was poor. And then the second goal, Sermon tries to clear it. Smith doesn't get anywhere near challenging Deeney and Boric just gets wrapped up in the whole thing it's it was an interesting one actually seeing uh, as a goalkeeper when when those situations where you have a striker come and stand near you my personal preference is actually I always like the defender to go in front of the striker and one you get a clear sight of the ball and two then you can kind of because you're still close to him you can keep your arms around him and you can kind of lean back in but it gives the goalkeeper a free run because you know if I'm up against a if you're up against a striker they can jump with the ball. Well, in theory, you can jump and even higher because your hands can come up. That's just simple, right? So 
I looked at that and thought if it was the other way round, surely then Boric can just come through and dominate. But the fact he's got tied up in trying to push Smith out of the way and then Smith's like a bit of a sandwich in a Deany Boric pie. It was just, you know, it was um, it was just ugly, wasn't it? It was really ugly and... You know, you're going to give away corners in games. Interestingly, the stats on corners and goals scored is actually ridiculously low. I think we covered it in one of our previous shows that the amount of goals that are scored from corners is not as high as you would think. Yet we go and we concede two. It seems to be, though, that we have this almost a self-destruct button sometimes. And there's this this chain reaction of just catastrophic things that are happening on the pitch so for you know for the first goal uh daniels played it into mings and played at boric who's bad bad clearance you know and then it met fraser then did a terrible back pass and that led to the corner and then uh you know it was moments before watford's goal maybe a couple of minutes but sermon played a woeful ball out of midfield and uh, that uh gave a chance for holobas to have a shot um it does seem as though we're making these these awful errors now for the first goal, I did think that Tyrone Mings was at fault because he was he was actually marking uh, Cabaselli and then just Cabaselli just completely lost him with uh, you know a couple of steps. But you know, as a whole, Tyrone Mings, you know, I find it difficult to criticise him. As I said last week, it's uh, he hasn't played many games at centre back, but you know, six foot six. Do you think he's our man at the back? I think he's making pretty much exactly the same mistakes that Steve Cook made for the first two thirds of last season. Lots of goals we were conceding last year. If you watch them back was cookie lost his man. Cookie lost his challenge. Cookie gave the ball away. There was a period there where you thought, Oh, it's, it's, it's cookie up to it. Whereas now, I mean, what an incredible season that Steve Cook is happen having. So in that respect, you know, it's, feel like it's the same process it's the same learning curve that Mings is going through so it's a newish position it's only as however many um, games he's played for us not how many minutes he's played let alone games he's played it's not been much so in that regard yes I think what's unfortunate is he's come into the side at a really bad time when we are already conceding goals so in that regard it's not the easiest for anyone to come into unless you're an absolute top of your game centre back who's been around been around and knows you're going to come in and you're going to make changes it's harder I think for Mings to do it so I I don't know some people are being really harsh I still think there's just a degree of we've just got to play it out um, having said that we'll see if Frano comes back in or not this week but I mean you know and aside from it's it's an interesting it's an interesting atmosphere I think like, like watching from the outside listening to the stadium at times the ground seems just so quiet and even the commentator commented about um Andrew Sermon and because there was two or three times where Sermon gave the ball away and there were like boos and he said wow you know god they've turned on turned on him pretty quickly and picking up on his bad passes not on his good passes and there just seems to be a whole air amongst the crowd at the moment of discontent and yeah it's a it's almost like there's confrontations in the crowd between uh, how do we deal with the situation we're in are we super happy because we're in we're still 10 points clear relegation we're in the premier league bloody bloody blah or we're on a really bad run and we're conceding goals and we're you know what i mean it's um there seems to be two sides at the moment and i think that comes across on the pitch yeah i think maybe bournemouth fans are perhaps kind of woken up to the stark realization that our squad is nowhere near as good as we thought obviously we've been playing the same sort of 13 14 players throughout the first half of the season and now the second half arrives we're having to make changes due to suspensions injuries things like this and we're suddenly realizing you know we've got some work to do here we've lost Nathan Ake we're probably going to be losing our our you know our best midfielder at the moment as well when it comes to sort of May when the season's finished um it's a worrying time and there does seem to be a bit of a lack of activity although uh in a moment, you're going to tell us otherwise. Some people on Twitter have been commenting, saying, uh, how big of an indictment is it that Federici cannot unseat Boric as the number one goalkeeper for the Cherries? This seems alarming to me. He goes on to say, what positions does Howe need to upgrade this transfer period? I'm thinking a goalkeeper and centre-back. Well, I certainly do agree with that. Now, I have been quite out of the loop, as I said this week, Sean. So, Harry Arter's exclusion 
was there anything behind that at all? Because there were people online who were moaning at the fact that he was being excluded, but you know, hours before that, they said he should be, he said actually not be playing. Like, you know, it's like Eddie Howe can't win with any decision he makes. But any idea behind that? No, other than I think, I don't think Harry's been at his best the last few weeks. So in that regard, you look at it and say, well, any player that's not at their best are likely to spend a time on the sideline. I think the lack of players pushing for inclusion potentially plays its part in some performances. So you look at Boric, for example, and we said it with Federici, how when Federici came in for Boric, as soon as Boric was fit again, Federici was out, regardless of how well or not Federici played. So from Boric's perspective, it's like, well, I'm number one. In the midfield, there hasn't been huge competition. I mean, with Sermon was out, that was basically the competition and it was Arta, Wilshire and Gosling were getting a game. I can argue now, well, Gosling is knocking on the door, but again, you, you still feel that Arta's rated higher than Gosling. You know, Lewis Cook coming back in might change that, but I don't know. Is there a bit of complacency among the players? I don't know. It's it's a tough one to work out. It's, it's interesting, actually. I had a look at, um, just looking at the stats of this year, where we're at versus where we were at in the same part last year. And after 22 games last year, we were three, only three points clear of the relegation zone, opposed to 10 points now. But we're actually only two points better off. So we have 26 points. Last year, we had 24. Bearing in mind, we had that awful run of injuries. And there was that period where we were kind of treading water, weren't we? Waiting for the January transfer window so we could sign some players. Yeah. But in that regard, it's, we're in a... And, and even the stats, goals for um, 26 versus 32, goals against 37 versus 39. So not a massive difference. So in that respect, yeah, it's just, I don't know, perception, I guess. Mm, it's certainly uh, certainly very strange. Well, in terms of the transfer activity, just want to say well done to Sam Surridge and Matty Worthington, who have been awarded new deals. That's latest breaking news. Uh, did amazing for the under-18s and working wonders for the under-21s at the moment. Well done, boys. But also, transfer activity-wise, well, there sounds like there are a few bits and bobs, a few irons in the fire, and Sean's been checking out the latest activity and rumours. Asmir Begovic. Plenty of press reporting that Bournemouth have pretty much had an offer accepted from Chelsea for goalkeeper Asmir Begovic, but the deal hinges on Chelsea finding a replacement goalkeeper to sit on the bench to watch Courtois play. Begovic played for the Cherries back in 2007 and, I'll be honest, was probably one of the worst goalkeepers I had seen play for us. However, he's obviously had some great training and he's obviously worked hard because, um, man, he's come on leaps and bounds. He's the vice captain for Bosnia and Herzegovina and is very well regarded as a goalkeeper. He went from Stoke for £8 million to Chelsea back in 2015. But as I say, his places in the Chelsea side have been extremely limited. Guessing he wants to play some first team football and from Eddie's perspective, a chance to bring in a top quality goalkeeper to add to our existing lineup. Jack Bridge. Jack Bridge, the 21-year-old Southend United midfielder, is reportedly training with the Cherries at the moment as they're having a little look at him over the next few days. Although interesting comments from the Southend manager Phil Brown and appears to be a bit of a rift between the player, the agent and the club. And he's saying his agent has told us that he should be playing for us and that he's not close enough to the first team, which I find strange considering he's been on the bench for our past five games. It might be a rude awakening for Jack going there or maybe Bournemouth will see something I don't. I'm not sure. So, wow, he obviously doesn't rate him that highly, but Eddie and Tyndall have obviously seen something. So we'll see how he goes in training over the next few days. Phil Jagielka. 
could well be a long shot and just a bit of easy journalism here, but Bournemouth linked with the 34-year-old Everton captain and England international Phil Jaggy Elka. He sounds like he's been told he can leave Everton and reportedly he's already held talks with Sunderland and West Ham, but Bournemouth have also been thrown in with a list of West Brom and Crystal Palace, Swansea and Southampton who are apparently considering the defender I mean, it's news that we're probably looking for a centre-back, so I guess it's easy his name should come up. Interestingly, just a couple of weeks ago, I was playing FIFA 17 on career mode for Bournemouth. I was leaking a few goals. Sound familiar? And I did go out and sign Jaggy Elka, and he definitely shored it up, although I did also bring in the bruiser Robert Huth from Leicester as well, so uh, the pair of them. Can't see that happening, but wow, what a pairing that would be. Steve Cook just paying a little bit further forward. Oh, wonderful. Robbie Brady. The 25-year-old Republic of Ireland international who plays for Norwich is a left winger. And supposedly it's a race between AFC Bournemouth and Burnley to get the signature and get it across the line in a deal, they're saying, 12 to £13 million. He allegedly turned down Sunderland earlier in the transfer window, fearing that they're pretty much gone and going to get relegated. And he wants to have a step up to a side that are going to remain in the Premier League. Um, he's quite adaptable, can play in different positions, and Eddie apparently is keen on him. Another winger, eh? In outgoing transfer gossip, Lise Mousset is possibly going to be going out on loan. Eddie has said that that may well be an option for the young French striker. And Lewis Graben um, reportedly interested in a move back to the championship. Uh, Leeds United, I think, are current favourites, but I think also Preston and a few other clubs interested in him. Hmm, some interesting rumours there, Sean. I hope those weren't started by you. But yeah, plenty to digest this week. And uh, I'm sure it's going to hot up as the transfer window closes. Yeah, no, none from me. My one I was discussing yesterday is uh, Wayne Rooney. End of the season, we're going to sign him. He doesn't want to go to China. He doesn't want to go to the States. Wants to just play his football in the Premier League. Jack Wilsh is going to sign. Wayne Rooney's going to sign as well. You heard it here. Wow. First and probably last. <laughs> but now on back of the net we're going to focus on a young cherries fan it's ethan burney now his plight is the current focus of many football fans far and wide and as they raise money to make his dreams come true this week at dean court was no exception Like most children his age, little Cherries fan Ethan Burney dreams of going to Disney World and seeing Mickey Mouse and all his favourite characters. Unfortunately for Ethan, there is a time limit on fulfilling this dream, as the eight-year-old will probably lose his sight completely in the next two years. Ethan, who lives in Camford Heath, is one of only around 12 children in the UK with Arscog syndrome and has undergone numerous operations on his feet and his legs. Despite this, Ethan, who is a huge AFC Bournemouth fan, hasn't lost his love for life. Following a successful public appeal by Ethan's granddad last year to get him tickets to watch his beloved Cherries, members of the community have been inspired to make some of his other wishes come true. Desperate to make sure that Ethan gets to Florida to meet Mickey Mouse and Harry Potter, family friend Nikki Kay has launched a fundraising appeal. We'll be providing more details of the web address you can go to to donate to that a bit later on. But only 12 months ago, Cherry's legend Steve Fletcher gave Ethan a day he'll never forget. He was given a personalised tour of the Vitality Stadium by Big Fletch himself and also was given a signed shirt from his favourite player, Matt Ritchie. Harry Arter also donated his boots. And there have been lots of amazing and generous donations to the appeal. But one of Ethan's wishes was to appear on TV. Now, Cherries fan Alex Deutsch made that happen with his regular BT Sport Premier League Tonight slot on Saturday as he spoke to the little man outside the Jubilee Gates. 
I'm here with Ethan Burney, who is Bournemouth's most famous fan. Ethan, why do you support AFC Bournemouth? Because they're the best. They are the best, huh? I agree with that one. Um, who is your favourite Bournemouth player? Harry Arter. And why is he your favourite Bournemouth player? Because he gave me a signed boot. Because he gave you a signed boot. Brilliant. Do you have any questions for the panel? Harry Redman. Do you have any tips for Eddie Howe? Do you have any tips for Eddie Howe? Well, I don't know about Harry Redknapp, Ethan, but I've got some tips for Eddie. Stop conceding goals! But Harry Redknapp, speaking on BT Sport, was audibly and visibly emotional speaking about Ethan and his plight, and is putting together a charity fundraiser next month. But here's him talking to Jake Humphrey. Ethan, we've got a charity night next month for Ethan. Tell us a bit about Ethan. Well, he's a little little lad who's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's losing his sight. He's got a rare syndrome. And, right. uh, and you were raising some money to... We're having a dinner, them. and um, anyone wants to come and listen to me talk a load of rubbish for an hour, I'm doing it. Oh, no, we do that Half every week. Hey! <laughs> Half hour. Brilliant. I'm trying to... I think maybe Merce might come along and help me out as well, Paul Merson. So hopefully we can sell it out in Bournemouth. Yeah. There's a few quid for him and his family. Well, we're so pleased to see him on the TV. He's a fantastic little he's, boy. He's got something called Arscog Syndrome, which basically means he's going blind. It was his dream to be on the television. We're so pleased that we could put him on the TV tonight. Ethan, I hope you're at home. I hope yeah. you're watching. To you and your family, lots of love from if all of us here If anyone's got any odds and bits they could put in the auction, we'd be only too pleased. We're looking to send Ethan to Disneyland as well. and uh, Wonderful. He'll be good. So it's great to see so many people getting behind it all. And on Facebook on the 17th of January, only last week, there was an amazing update where it said the money is in from Just Giving and we have £15,000 allocated in Ethan's Wishes account for Ethan to go to Florida with his family. The parents are just waiting for an update on his leg operations before the trip can be booked, but they just wanted to say thank you again for everyone's support. Now, if you want to get involved in donating to Ethan Burney's wishes, please use one of the following options. Option 1. Ethan Wishes Lloyd's account. The sort code is 309673. That's 309673. The account number 530-98260. That's 530-98260. There's also the Just Giving page, and we'll give you a link to that on our Twitter feed, at AFCB Podcast. Or you can also hand the money to the coffee house Canford Heath, in an envelope marked Gemma Burney, Ethan Burney's Wishes. And she'll make sure it goes into Ethan's Wishes account. I'm sure you'll be seeing much more of The Little Loud on TV, on radio, and on the podcast, and of course, over Twitter, over the next few months. But Ethan, all the very best from AFCB Podcast, and above all, up the cherries. So, Cherries entertain Crystal Palace on Tuesday the 31st of January, so that's an evening kickoff under the floodlights at Dean Court. Always a special game, and I love it where they do the light show before kickoff. Crystal Palace haven't had it easy of late. They lost at home to Everton at the weekend. And before that, although they did win in the FA Cup, they lost away 3 0 to West Ham and uh, home to Swansea City, losing at Arsenal. They haven't won in the Premier League for a long, long time. In fact, December the 3rd, where they beat Southampton 3 0. Now, when we face a struggling team at Dean Court, we all think it's going to go a certain way, but uh, it's not always the case. Now, interestingly, Crystal Palace are playing Manchester City in the FA Cup fourth round on Saturday. Bournemouth, of course, will be well rested. We'll have had, what, 10 days rest, whereas they'll have had uh, only a few, which you know, begs me to ask the question, what kind of team, if you are Sam Allardyce and your team is struggling at the base of the Premier League, well, they're 18th at the moment, but they're not in a great position. What kind of team would you put out against a team that's probably going to steamroll them anyway? Well, or are they? Because City are in a pretty poor form. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Sometimes it takes a cup run to rejuvenate a season. And you look at what happened with our FA Cup run. Had we, you know, beaten Millwall convincingly, 
We'd be now set up with another tie now. Let's say this was against a lower league side. Do we win that? You know, there's enthusiasm would be a lot different. So in that regard, part of me thinks, yeah, maybe they'll use it as a way to kickstart or they look at it and say, well, yeah, we need to sort out our Premier League form. We can't afford any injuries, whatever. It'd be an interesting one to see what Big Sam does. I think because they're close enough, I think, to the clubs above them in the league, they're not so far away. I'd imagine he'll probably still put a pretty good side against Man City, but we'll wait and see. But yeah, the, certainly the, the big Sam magic at the moment's not working for Palace, which is interesting because, I mean, they've been on a free fall for such a long time, right back from last year, wasn't it, where they were in the worst run. I think, didn't they have the worst run in 2016 across all divisions or something yeah, like that? Right. And you were looking at that squad going, this is a really, there's a there's enough quality in this squad to be higher than they are and it's just Pardew whatever well Sam's come in and yeah as of yet we haven't seen the big kick on effect of that in terms of wins so are they setting it up for against us <laughs> or do we go out like we did at the start of the second half against Watford and you could see we'd been told we need to move the ball quicker there was a noticeable increase in the pace that we moved the ball around and I think sometimes and that's the what you know with when Wilshire sits deep, is is there's kind of we just want to give him the ball and we just want to let him move it around and whatever it's, and I think I mean God Wilshire's been incredible, but I still feel we need a bit more energy from somewhere else to help drive us through, you know, and which is why I'm still excited about Lewis Cook and you know will we see Lewis Cook because from what we saw of him early season. Good on the ball, good skill, but he's got that Harry Arter bite about him. And maybe that is what we need. We need someone to come in just to inject that into us. And maybe that's that's where it will come from this week. But then, you know, are we going to see any new players? Because the transfer deadline closes, I think, is it 11pm on the night of the game? So mm. will there be any transfers before that? That's the question. Hmm. Very interesting. I mean, I know, I know that we're going to have one new player in. Well, I say new. He's back from suspension, so Simon Francis will be back in the lineup. This this week's match, kind of really, what do I say? This week's is next week's now, but it it does concern me. We need to win it. We need to win it. There are there are six matches, right? Bournemouth play six matches in the month of April in two thousand seventeen. They're playing six matches in February and March combined three in February and three in March. So in February, we've got Everton away, Manchester city at home, which is not going to be easy. And then we've got West Brom away and that's never an easy fixture. And then in March, we've got man United away. uh, And then we do have West Ham at home and Swansea at home, but there is no easy fixture. And if, out of any of those next seven fixtures, surely this is a match where we need to pick up points. So in terms of, you know, the lineup and stuff, I mean, obviously I would, I would love to see us, you know, signing a number of players between now and the end of the deadline day, but I I don't think that any of them would feature in a starting 11 at home to Crystal Palace. But I do know that Simon Francis surely is going to come in at the expense. Sadly, I say sadly because I really wanted him to do really well, but, um, he, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time too many times, Tyrone Mings. Uh, so I think Francis is going to come back in, would you say? Well, or he wants to, you know, he sees Mings as the solution. I mean, we, you know, Eddie's always been big on praising Mings when he was coming through his recovery and when he talked about him, you know, positioning as a centre-back. Or does he stick with it and does he, does he, you know, put it, put Francis out on the right and then everyone's favourite, right midfielder Adam Smith goes on the right midfielder there's so many kind of unknowns at the moment I guess that's the thing um if Begovic comes in surely I mean you'd imagine if you're signing a goalkeeper now you, you're signing him to come straight in could that be the, the 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 push that we need defensively hmm that's right and Max Gradle has now finished his stint with the Ivory Coast because they're now out of the AFCON so uh, I presume that he will be available and you know maybe on the bench although it hasn't been used frequently I can't remember the last time he played but there are loads of options now Sean I'm, I'm interested in your opinion on you know firstly the first choice striker but then the two wingers as well that's assuming we play four five one. I mean I, I don't 
really know what formation it was on Saturday. Was it the sort of four four one one? I don't I don't really know. But for you, who would be your first choice striker right now? Um, I would say well, I would say it's got to be a Fobe for me. I mean, he's mm, me too. Scoring goals, but he's also holding up the ball. It's Wilson's a funny one right now, isn't it? Because I watch him, and it's it's what's his what's the threat that he's bringing at the moment? Like he's not he's not pushing. We're not pushing the balls down the channel, and he's not pulling the centre backs wide and getting the ball out wide. I don't think as much as he did when we were in the championship. So he's not overly causing a threat that way. He hasn't been holding the ball up brilliantly, not as well as a phobe, I don't think. And he's not been sticking away every opportunity in the box. So it's an interesting one in terms of what, uh, yeah, what are we, what are we getting at the moment from, from that versus what are we getting with a phobe? With a phobe, clearly he's been really wanting to do well. I think it's positionally, he's been playing really well and holding the ball and he took his goal. Um, so that would be my pick. I'd be saying, Afobe, your your first choice right now. Mm. Yeah, I think you know, I I certainly agree with that. I I do like it when Josh King plays as well. Um, Ryan Fraser to me, you know, isn't a certain for the starting eleven, but I really I do want to see Jordan Ibe get involved as well. But oh, who knows? It's it's going to be an interest interesting one. This does have the feel of that Sunderland game again, but I know there's a bit of discontent. But Palace, I know that Andros Townsend, there's sort of rumours sort of him uh, wanting to go back to Newcastle United. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know. But in terms of a prediction, I think Eddie Howe will have learned many lessons and it will all come to fruition in this game. Oh, here we go. Where we ba- Mr. Positive, <laughs> Mr. Positive. Where we batter them. Four goals to nil. You heard it here first. Wow. I'm saying wow because I heard nil. Clean sheet. Yeah, yeah. What for nil? Well, for me, um, regardless of what we bring in, I still think for some reason there's still work to be done. Um, I'm going to go, same as Watford, I'm going to go another 2-2 draw. Hi, this is the big one, Steve Fletcher. And you're listening to Back of the Net. Now, if you were listening earlier, you'll have heard our our piece about young Cherries fan Ethan Burney. And we did promise that we would give you the web address of where you need to go should you wish to donate. Just go to afcbpodcast.com forward slash Ethan. That's E-T-H-A-N. And on there, that will take you to their Facebook page and give you all of the different ways that you can donate to his Just Giving Fund. Good stuff. Now, Sammy, with Rob Frank still away, he's AWOL from the Do You Remember posts, actually currently in Hawaii, I think, playing golf with Obama, probably. Um, So you took up the reins this week with a new refresh Do You Remember? And, yeah, I didn't know the answers. And... I've got a couple of I've got a few guesses for you. Okay, okay. So yeah, as you heard at the start of the show, there were three voices. You heard about twenty seconds of each from differing eras. So voice number one, who was it? I tell you what, we'll do. We'll play each yeah. one again. So here's is voice number one. The, the moment I probably remember most for missing a chance that. I regret in later life would have been the penalty in the World Cup um, playing Spain in the last 16 we'd probably outplayed them over the, the course of the 90 minutes and extra time and, and probably deserved to go through so he's not talking about AFC Bournemouth but I actually got it from the voice I think he's on the radio quite a lot these days is he Sammy uh, you he, might be right is it a certain Matthew Holland Yes, it is. Well done, Mr. Barker. One point to you. Well done. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, so voice number two. Um, I think um, I, I obviously enjoyed me, me spell at Welling. It was absolutely fantastic. Before that, I was at assistant at uh, Grayson, which is absolutely now. Um, had six great years at Stoke. Learned a lot, obviously, um, and um, met some fantastic people. Now, do you know this one, Sean? Because I saw your face while we were doing this and you kind of had that quizzical look on you and I sense that you still may not know the answer. No, it it's 
throw me a bit because again they're not because they're not talking about Bournemouth. They're talking about Korea. And he mentioned Stoke, and that made me think Pulis, but it's clearly not Pulis. But uh, no, sorry. I think he played under Pulis at the time, but he was part of the coaching team. That was Adrian Pennock. Ah, oh, it the, was Penno, the blondest man in football. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then what about voice number three? Here it is. I'm in a nice position. I don't have to work from nine to five in the morning. Uh, and they get up and they've got to go through a full day. They get paid very little money. I don't. It just seems to me they're sort of pretty jealous. That's Georgie Best, isn't it? Yeah, yes. that was easy, though, surely. That was easy. Because <laughs> we were, weren't we the last... English professional English team that he ever played for, right? I think, oh yeah, I think we were, and that's you know he's he's probably our most famous ever player, or you know maybe Jack Wilshire is now. Who knows? But yeah, that was that was Mr. Georgie Best. Well done, Sean. Uh, good stuff, Sam. Thanks for that. I enjoyed that a lot. Now remember, if you want to buy a back of the net T-shirt, it would really help us because it gives us some much-needed funds to pay for our bandwidth, for our hosting, and by golly, it's costing quite a lot now. We've got what thirty-three shows. This will buy be our thirty-fourth under the belt, and we are chugging up the gigabyte bandwidth usage. But if you want to donate, you can either do that or yeah, buy a T-shirt. It's at afcbpodcast.com/shop. And you can be wearing the beautiful Eddie Had a Dream masterpiece. Yep. Now, the next game then, Bournemouth at home to Crystal Palace, is on Tuesday night if you are in the Northern Hemisphere or certainly if you're in the UK. Like, if you're like me down here in New Zealand, it is a Wednesday morning. Now, subject to BN Sports pulling some kind of crazy scheme where they're going to show replays of old games i hopefully will be able to uh, tune in live for that so we're actually going to record the show directly after the full-time whistle so you'll be getting our immediate responses to the game so we'll be bringing that show out um well probably while you guys up there all fast asleep dreaming of that amazing hat trick from tyrone mings all tucked up in your bed (laughs) Or or maybe not. We'll see what happens. But that's when we'll be on air next. So thanks to all of you for listening and for tweeting us and Facebook messaging us and showing us support. Really do appreciate that. But that's it for now. And we'll be back next Wednesday for another episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. It is Callum Wilson. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.